Studying in Europe is an incredible life opportunity to learn, grow and flourish. But how does one prepare for the challenges and opportunities, the career possibilities and the expectations of both European universities and Indian students of each other? And finally, what are the initiatives taken up by the European Union and the government of India to support students, overcome challenges and make the most of the opportunities the EU has to offer? Hi, my name is Varun Agarwal and this podcast is an initiative of the European Union and the Government of India. I particularly wanted to go to Europe because it is the continent of 20th century which is at the forefront of innovation and technology as well as scientific development. In 2013, I decided to pursue my master's in economics. I looked far and wide for universities in India, US, Australia, far, far and far away. I kept looking. I was very confused. Then my professor at the time recommended Europe. I did my research and the combination of the education quality, research possibilities and cost factors made me choose Europe and I had a tremendous experience there finishing my master's. But the decision to go there was just the beginning of my journey. Similarly, students from all over India, small towns and big towns, after their 12th boards, bachelors and most after their masters, are looking at Europe as a destination for their higher education. In fact, over 50,000 Indian students are studying in Europe based on the latest data. As I speak, this constitutes the second highest non-EU student body in Europe. In late 2019 and early 2020, we spoke with many prospective students hoping to go to Europe. We tried to understand their expectations, fears, confusions, and just general perspectives about studying in Europe. I should add at this juncture that these interviews and the subsequent interviews also were all recorded in the pre-COVID era. As you might know, COVID-19 has had a severe impact on the overseas higher education process. Nonetheless, all the interviews in this podcast remain valuable and very instructive for anyone planning to go to Europe for higher education. When I think about, you know, abroad, it's my dream, actually. I want to go abroad. But uh, if I'm talking about my studies, you know, I want to do PhD, you know, I'm doing master's in energy sciences. Now I, am, I want to do my PhD, you know, from abroad. Basically, so many of my friends were saying that uh, if you want to pursue your PhD, then prefer European countries because from there, your career will be on a high after completing your research work or PhD. I will get more opportunities in foreign universities. Like in Europe, some universities give us free education. Like I come across from my friend at Didar. He is my close friend. He suggested me that he has gone to University of Virginia. I, I don't know exact name, but uh, I can Virginia University. He has gone for some research work. It's attractive for students coming from a middle-class background who want to study higher and then make a good future ahead. In the, you know, Europe, there are labs which are you know highly maintained and here I can do my project work very efficiently. I'm not uh, sure yet whether I want to go or not, but just I wanted to explore some options. What are the options? What are the scholarship procedures so I can follow? And then is there any chance for the students like me to, you know, go to abroad and explore more uh, research options there. I'm not sure yet. Uh, everybody has, I think, since I'm from such family, nobody has uh, gone to abroad. 
I will be the only person from my family, among my cousins. So I have a lot of yes. Their lifestyle is different. The language is different. Food, everything is different. So yes, these are the pairs. We also spoke with a student who recently arrived in Europe, originally from Jodhpur in the middle of the desert in the state of Rajasthan, and now based in Berlin, Germany. Kaushik Tak reflected on his journey and his initial impressions of his new home. I'm very new in Berlin. Like it's it's me. Uh, it's fourth week of my like in Berlin. In my family, the my parents are like they never went to the school. Like I'm the only one children who like studying in MBA. I have a uh, two uh, siblings. Like uh, they both are my uh, my elder. They also just uh, finished their tenth class and dropped their education. So they 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 feel proud of. I came alone. No friend come with me. I came here alone from my Jodhpur city, and I don't know anyone here. So I made a friend from the social media and like and find the accommodation. It's uh, difficult for me, but now it's settled. So as you can see, different students have different levels of understanding and are at different stages of preparation about studying in Europe. But it's important to understand that while EU-based universities do offer attractive and competitive tuition packages, scholarships, and post-study opportunities, and Indian students are very welcome to take advantage of these opportunities, Europe does not have an open-door policy. Talent, preparation, and accurate knowledge matter. It is not accurate, for instance, to say that European universities are free, especially for non-EU students. Europe is an extremely diverse place, and different universities and countries within Europe have different tuition, admission, and scholarships criteria. In fact, in this podcast, we want to provide a snapshot of these varying criteria and opportunities. And in the process, want to bust common myths and validate and broaden accurate perceptions about studying in Europe. So, as we can see, students from all over India, small towns, big towns, north-south, are looking at Europe as a destination for their higher education. To understand these trends better, the issues, the barriers better, we spoke with a certified expert on cross-border higher education. Dr. Delia Hannigan is the Director of Education at Sanam S4. We've seen a lot of increased interest in studying in Europe and a lot of increased activity from European institutions and European countries here in India. And so the trend is definitely an upward trend and it's also a trend that's accelerating. So, uh, for example, um, France set a target of having 2020. Um, I think that target has been met. Similarly, Germany has had a 15 to 20% increase in Indian students um, over the last few years. And Germany as a whole, in fact, reached their 2022 target in 2019. So um, they are two examples of, of how the trend has been accelerating. But also um, a whole range of other countries are also very active. Poland um, has seen increased activity uh, from Indian students wanting to study there, as have um, a number of the Baltic states who are members of the European Union and Scandinavia. So there's lots of activity across Europe and um, Indian students now appear to be much more comfortable in choosing uh, to study in one of the European member states than may have been the case previously. These trends of Indian students studying in Europe are very positive. But what is the story behind them, especially from a European perspective? What is the perspective of European universities especially? And what are the initiatives they're taking with regards to Indian students? Here is Dr. Hannigan again with more. 
No, I think there's always an understanding, um, certainly uh, institutions that, that I've worked with, that Indian students are, are good students. They come, you know, to work hard and be successful. So you have, you know, the fact that, yes, there is a very large number of Indian students, but a large number of quality students as well, where you're going to be able to sort of attract the best talent. So that is always uh, something that's very important for universities, is to get that top talent. Um, I think also um, opportunities for partnerships with Indian institutions through the Erasmus Scholarship Programs and the Erasmus Mundi schemes have been very attractive and opened up, you know, those relationships and that understanding of the Indian education system um, that maybe before had not necessarily been there. And so, again, that may, made it more attractive to come to India and to, to work together with both Indian students and Indian academics. We also spoke with Anil Patni, who leads the EU Public Diplomacy in India project. Promotion of higher education in the EU actually happens at several levels. So if you start from the bottom up, you know, leading European universities do their own uh, outreach and uh, they, they participate in uh, different kinds of uh, student fairs, which are organized by private players, by their respective embassies and so on. That's, that's the first level. The second level is at the level of member states. And uh, some of the larger member states have actually, uh, you know, higher education promotion offices and agencies based in uh, India. Some of them have offices in Delhi alone, but some of them have offices also in other cities like Mumbai, Bangalore, uh, and so on. We also spoke with Navzad Hodiwala, the EU-India project coordinator at the International Centre for Migration Policy Development. He gives us the European Union perspective. Governments of Europe in the form of the European Union and European member states and the government of India have sensed this trend and increased attention being paid to the European market and educational opportunities in Europe, as well as an interest in European students of being able to learn more about Indian culture, Indian meditation practices, food, Ayurveda. So one of the things that the two sides have come together to do is make the mobility and exchange of students and researchers in a safe and secure manner one of the priorities for political discourse between the two sides. In order to make this a reality, what the European Union has tried to do is pour resources into making available tools that can help students better understand the potentials for education, alternatives available for funding, the rights and obligations they have when they are in Europe, but also the possibilities for post-graduation as well as pre-departure. I'm Sanjeev Roy. I'm the senior key higher education expert on the EU Public Diplomacy Project. Basically, I'm looking after the Erasmus program, which is a program for funding and scholarship. Whatever you have done, whatever qualifications, whatever job you are in, Europe is a destination for everyone. Why? I'm not saying because uh, presently I work for Europe. It's because when you go to study, you go to study in a country. But when you go to study in Europe, you go to study in a continent. They have got their own scholarship. So I don't think any continent in the world would offer such plethora, bouquet of scholarships for Indians who can choose from Erasmus as well as from the individual countries. So my experience as a scholar, it was a life-changing experience. I learned a lot. I enjoyed a lot. I traveled a lot. 
and I have friends for life from nearly 27, 28 countries. There are lakhs of scholarships and financial support schemes available across Europe for international students. Some schemes cover all of your tuition fees, some only a part of it. Many support living costs too. Competition can be strong, but it is well worth exploring your options. One of the things India and Europe have in common is hyper-diversity. The sheer number of histories, cultures, customs, languages that both these regions host are staggering. And the great thing is, when you study in the EU, you get the opportunity to experience a lot of it. For more on this, we spoke with Tanya Friedrichs, the head of the research and innovation sector at the European delegation in India. We have an instrument which is called Erasmus+, Plus, which has a very strong international dimension and offers this scholarships to Indian students either for longer term to do a complete full master's and their intramobility is built in. So one student in a time span of two years will be exposed to minimum two, but on average three different education systems and cultures. And also you can go for a shorter term from three to six months. And also it allows for exchanges at the institutional level. And in doing so, the Indian student will get also a very generous grant that will cover most, if not all, of the study costs, of the housing, and they can make some savings and pocket money to travel and see the whole Europe. So after they come back, we really hope that they also are very good EU ambassadors for us to show what the European Union is and what this uh, unity in diversity means. So... Uh, we're happy to invest in that. Many queries of Indian students we spoke with when considering European universities revolve around how to successfully apply and get accepted in their first choice programs. To answer this, we spoke with Ramon Ellenbrook, consultant on higher education who has dealt with many Indian students. First major thing is um, to basically study the application procedures including the different deadlines. Deadlines also usually include scholarship deadlines. A lot of the scholarship deadlines are actually before the deadlines for application because there is a selection being done before students are, uh, all students actually meet the application deadline. Then it's very important to actually look at the admissions criteria per program. In Europe, there is, um, especially for master level, quite a strong selection on the entry requirements. Uh, they are largely based upon academic criteria. So for a program in biology, you need a very strong background in biology. Besides that, they usually do request certain sets of uh, language skills. And while more and more programs in Europe are being offered in English, in many countries, there's also many programs that are offered in their own local language. Having prepared all this in advance and looked at it would mean that you can actually compile your application file much easier and much better and also get all the required translations, stamps, certificates and things like that uh, in order well before any deadline. That would make the application process and thus your chances of being accepted significantly higher. Listeners, did you know that Indian students have received over 5,000 Erasmus Plus scholarships, one of the highest in Europe? or that Indians also receive an increasing number of short-term residency permits for educational purposes. 
These are all exciting developments. But nonetheless, issues remain. As Europe becomes a popular destination in the imagination of prospective Indian students, new issues and challenges emerge. Here is Dr. Delia Hannigan again with more on this. That there is complexity. So an Indian student wanting to uh, know about opportunities in Europe, there maybe isn't one straightforward place they can go to find out what the opportunities are and how they can you know, get the information that they need to make informed choices. I think so. there's a lack of familiarity and understanding. India is a very agent-dominated market um, in terms of study abroad. And if you did an analysis of agents across India, the vast majority of them are focused on the usual suspects, the main English-speaking destinations. So you don't have as much coverage of the European offer in, uh, in that very important channel for Indian student choices. So I think um, some of the barriers are, are, are getting the information, understanding what's possible. Um, I think that maybe also um, the individual embassies may need to look at how they sort of position themselves in terms of information about visas and about work-study rights and post-study work and things like that. So I think that's one of the, the main obstacles is maybe that the information is not out there and it's not always easy to find. So I think that's an important challenge that, that could be addressed and, uh, and it wouldn't be too difficult to, to start to address that. One of the things we want to achieve through this podcast is to share the level of cognizance, care and effort being put in by the official authorities in both the European Union and India. Did you know, for instance, that there is a high level dialogue on migration and mobility between India and the European Union? Or that under that dialogue, a range of activities and initiatives have been launched to bring European universities closer to students in India and in the process facilitate the safer and greater mobility of Indian students. To learn more, we spoke with Dr. Surbi Singh, head of Government of India's India Centre for Migration. Government of India is putting in a lot of efforts in terms of facilitating this for the students. So, for instance, the mother portal the students can also make use of the mother portal. They can, when they go abroad, they can register themselves with the Indian embassies and missions so that the embassy knows about the people uh, present in that country. And in times of need, they can actually assist the people on the ground. So I think that is the aim with which uh, the government seeks to work now. And the idea is to facilitate the correct flow of information to the intending uh, students who want to go and study abroad. So there's one major takeaway, listeners, is that students from all kinds of backgrounds, different areas of India, different sizes of towns and different communities are looking at Europe as a place for their higher education. However, the issue of information, accurate, reliable, on-demand information is a problem. And it's a query which came up again and again in our interviews. The European Commission on its website ec.europa.eu has dedicated sections for students planning to study in Europe. These sections offer tools, resources, planning aids, and all kinds of testimonials to support and inform anyone looking to study in Europe. Here's Anil Patni again with more on this. First thing, whether, whether you are a student from a small town or a big metro, doesn't matter. You should be very well informed of what all options you have because the sources of information need to be very, very, uh, you know, unbiased and objective. 
So you should be very careful about where are you sourcing your information from, because there are all, all kinds of commercial operators out there in the market, you know, uh, who will provide you information, who will do a service against a fee. Uh, only issue is that because uh, they have, uh, you know, commercial uh, arrangements uh, at the back end, so they will obviously provide you information in which they have a commercial stake. Uh, and therefore, you may not be able to get exactly the right information that, that you need it. And for that, you need to kind of, uh, first of all, see what is the uh, objectivity of the source of your information. Uh, and you should really rely on official sources of information as far as possible. So official sources of information, for example, the website that I mentioned, www.study-europe.net, that's one. But also look at the websites uh, of all the member states. So whether it is Campus France or DAAD or Nesso or, you know, uh, study in Spain, study in Belgium, study in Netherlands, uh, and so on and so forth. Each one of these agencies will be able to provide you very objective information. Students, especially from smaller towns, also shared many apprehensions about culture shock, language, and general challenges about integrating to a new culture. Here's Ramon with more advice. Questions that are more or less trivial to your academic progress, but very relevant to how you will actually feel in the country where you're going. When you end up in a country where you don't feel uh, welcome, where you are in a separate location and not part of the society, it will be very different than if you feel welcome and if there are many things which are organized for you and you can enter into a community which is not just a community of uh, Indian students, because of course there are Indian students here as well, um, but also a student community of international students who help each other and um, also connections possibly to alumni present. So it's quite wide. And I think the pre-departure sessions mainly help you to start with the first steps of realizing that you'll be coming here with a group and the group will be in the same boat together, but you can actually... Uh, solve all of the things you run into together and make great friends while doing that. Another burning question that students really worry about relates to jobs. I know when I was in Europe and I was studying there, this was a major, major thing for me. It's just inbuilt in the Indian mindset, this pragmatism about employment, both while studying and after. What are the rules, prospects, possibilities, opportunities? To learn more about this, we spoke with Alexandra Carvalho from the European Commission. She gave some tremendous insights. We have a political interest to retain people. A lot of uh, countries in the European Union are now facing shortages of people and skills in specific areas. So we need to read around a bit about this, but this is an issue. And therefore, we now have common rules that uh, allow uh, for all member states that people that have studied in the EU can stay for nine months in the EU to look for a job or to set up a business. So this is already a given for everybody. So it's the basic rule. You can stay nine months after your studies to look for a job. Then some member states do a bit more than that and have facilitated ways that when you finalize the, the studies in that country, it will be easier for you if you get a job to, to get a permit to stay and work. But really, it will very much depend on the countries, but be aware that there is an interest to 
retain uh, foreign students to stay and work in the EU, uh, especially those that have already studied here because they will have already their qualifications will be already recognized by everybody, by all member states, and it will be easier for them to integrate the, the labor market. Listeners, we are almost at the end of this podcast. I hope we have been able to provide some clarity and assurance as you plan your academic and professional lives abroad. We have tried to cover the burning questions students face on the podcast. But of course, every student's journey is unique. So I encourage you to refer to the various official information channels and apply some of the strategies shared on this podcast. With 32 of the top 100 universities, Europe offers an unparalleled academic experience. You get to travel and study and work in a place which values your creativity and experience. Europe has astonishing diversity. But if there is one overwhelming takeaway, it is this. Europe wants you to come over. There is economic, political and cultural interest to have you over. And as long as you prepare and follow the official procedures, every help is being extended by the European Union and the Government of India to ensure a fulfilling and successful academic and life experience for you. So good luck. I would like to take this opportunity to thank all our contributors and guests on this podcast. A special thanks for producer Nakul. And to you listeners, shukriya, namaskar, khudaaf.